Hello and welcome to Bird Cup Wonderland. God knows how, but we're still an Arsenal podcast. With me tonight, I have two, I've one amazing guest and Josh. First of all, the amazing guest is Stan the Man 68, who I remember the day, Stan, when we used to try and get you on about five or six years ago. And I think you were trying to do it off of a, um, a, a laptop made out of Lego and you had a terrible internet signal back yeah, in London, no. wasn't it? No, no, it was Amsterdam. Oh, nice. I, did, I saw you tweet about Amsterdam the other day. Yeah, I lived there for like 18 years. Shit. That's why you look so young. I went there once. I went I drove there. I went there on a bus in November 1994. I was there for three days, slept for about five hours, and I don't really remember much of it. Yeah. There wasn't even drugs involved. It's just, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's just weird. Anyway, um, how are you? I'm very well, just getting over a bit of a bad back. But other than that, I can't complain. And uh, thank you both for having me on today. Josh had no hand in this because Josh has virtually gone full carpenter and abandoned ABW. So, boy at the bottom, how have you been? I can't remember your name. It's been a while. Uh, it's been it's been good, um, David. Is this David? David? Uh... It's amazing how many times people actually think, call me David when it's not. I mean, it is your name. You are David. Um, you are David's the GFP. That is your uh, name. The GFP has changed. Did you know that? It used is to it be the Merck. Yeah. And then uh, I took Feinberg out. Mike Feinberg is the only living human who's been on a podcast who's been out in the GFP. It's now the van. I've transferred the plate onto the van. Oh, because Feinberg, Brexit. Yeah. That's <laughs> nice. German as well. Uh, I said to Feinberg when we got out of my van, I went, look at that. That's the GFP. He, he looked as interested as you two are when I'm telling you this story. I'd be interested. Um, not necessarily. I'd be more interested about the car than you telling the story. It uh, is a but... uh, 2012 Volkswagen Sharan, two-liter turbo diesel, and it's all been. Uh, you can't say spazzed up, can you? Because that'll get me banned off of Twitter. Um, what, uh, scoped up. I, you can call scoped. it scoped. Scoped it's up. Gone, it's gone full scope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear yes i just wheel in the back of it and i'd find feinberg in the front me in the back and he was driving around on the two side wheels we were like a, a scene from the dukes of hazard when we were driving around on two wheels because we we're both so fat anyway josh stop me yes. from waffling how have you been what have you been up to? I, i've been very good i have uh yeah i've been get, i've got a new job so that's why i've been a bit awol uh as well as moonlighting uh which you have alluded to you but even I know, right? Uh, yeah, it's just been enjoyable. But yeah, back on ABW to talk nonsense. Um, have you missed it? I have missed it. I've missed it a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, it's not you that I've missed, Danny. It's mainly no. Carl, but obviously he doesn't want to be here because he's messing up someone else's day. Um, Carl did two in a row and he was very professional both times. He was. He turned up late to one of them as well. So uh, I can only say that at least by me turning up 10 10 minutes late, uh, then I'm not as bad as Carl was. Well, Carl blamed the trains. He blamed Fife. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think that day was ever going to come. So um, how do we feel at the moment about being Arsenal fans, Dan? What's your your gut feeling, your your level of, uh, oh, I feel like going for a a joyful walk in the meadow and talking to the birds, or I want to go and chuck myself into the bin. Well, when when Mikel was uh, originally uh, initially appointed, I always said that it was around about this period, this beginning part of November, that I felt that I would be able to have 
a better idea of of what you know what I basically my account of him. And um, there's been along that way. There's been a lot of disappointments. There's been some highs as well. But there were I basically started off at fifty fifty when it was appointed. It wasn't my choice, but I wasn't a, a greatly opposed to it. And we got up to a point where I was like ninety percent that I wanted him gone, and ten percent clinging on. And I'm now in a place where it's the scales have come down to about 60% that I'm happy with him because there's been a lot of improvement I've seen this season. And after the first three games of the, se- of the of this season, we've managed to go on a really nice run. The team looks like they're playing as a team. It's not perfect, but we're still managing to scratch out wins. So as far as I'm concerned, I've given Mikel Arteta a stay of, execu- a stay of execution. I'm extending his period till around about the middle of February, because I'm interested to see how he copes with the disappearances of a lot of our squad with AFCON. I'm interested to see if the board back him in January, which is a tricky month to bring players in and who he does bring in, and then how we play going into February, that I can sort of like sit down and weigh it all up again. But I'm, I'm pleased that we're heading in the right direction. I want him to do well. And I'm pleased that he's starting to look like he's, he's going to do well. Yeah, I think the really interesting thing right now is that we've got a group of players that we'd say necessarily on paper, we wouldn't put together and say that was our strongest side. There's been players that we know that we'd needed to ship out for years and we finally done it under Arteta and it's kind of shown that those players that we thought maybe were better on paper in the side aren't necessarily doing it for us. And I think that's where there's a lot of relief, a lot of you know young energy that we can get behind as well in this side. Uh, you know, of course, we've got a lot of uh, mercurial talents in Smith Rowe and Saka, but I think there's a lot of other players that we can talk about who I think have got better after coming to the club. And I think there's a lot of us right now sitting down, enjoying probably our second or third spoonful of humble pie. <laughs> yeah, but I think I was on Stan's podcast, the uh, the Arsenal Fan Circle, last week, or was it this week? It was last week. What day is it? Yeah. Wednesday. Last Thursday. Ah, there you go. I have no concept of time. And uh, one of the people on there said, when was the last time a Premier League team um, bought five new players and then they're all playing right away every game almost? That's, that is unheard of. Unless it's a major takeover, certainly, because it's, like, you know, when you're thinking, well, yeah, <laughs> I, he was thinking, you know, someone like the Chelsea takeover uh, or the City. Um, Chelsea, yeah, City, Chelsea, uh, they they both went big and brought in loads of new players to or freshly promoted side, yeah, freshly promoted. But otherwise, there's not really a precedent for a team in our position, uh, unless you talk about you know the ownership. You know, first full summer of them being in charge, they've gone and dropped big money in both summers. They've backed the manager and hate it or not with the manager that's in place, and maybe we didn't like the players that have come in. You would say bar maybe one or two, every player that's come through the door has been improved by Mikel Arteta. I think it's fair to say as well, it's pretty unique to bring in six players and mm. from what I can see, there doesn't appear to be a dud in there. You know, usually there's one where you think, oh, okay, this mm. one might do a bit more work, you know, maybe, maybe a bit of a dud, but they all look, they all look, um, they all look very good, very happy with mm. all of them. How long will that last though? Because very rarely do players continue this magnificent form. Because I always used to say, when we bought new players, 
like with Sanchez, how long will it be before Sanchez raises the level of the current Arsenal players or how long before the current Arsenal players drag Sanchez down to their level? So, I mean, there's been players that have had dodgy games when they've come in. I'm thinking Tommy Arsu in recent weeks hasn't necessarily looked as secure as he did when he came straight in. But that's not necessarily a bad thing because he's being covered by the rest of his teammates. And that's what you want. If anybody's having a bad performance, you want his mate, your mates on the field to help you get out of that. And it's not just one man, especially in the defensive question. You know, if he's having a dodgy game, it just means Ben Wright, who's next to him, needs to step up. The uh, If it's Smith Rowe or Saka out on the right wing with uh, Tommy Osage, needs to be back and covering. And I think there's that kind of uh, camaraderie that we haven't seen from the Arsenal for, well, we're talking maybe 2006. Mm. I, that's what's been missing from, from Arsenal for a while, is that kind of spirit. I think it comes when you've got almost, I think, oh, I don't know, I've been bad at listening to podcasts recently to see if I'm going to be the first one to dub this, but we've almost got a team of the Lost Boys. We're so young. It is very much a manager who's young, followed around. It's a bit like hook to go with a uh, a very old movie reference you know robin williams is the old peter pan in terms of Mikel arteta and he's he's looking after a load of boys who are also still quite young professionally in their career we've only got a couple of players over 30 and we're getting a good balance of people in their career that have got a lot of experience but are still quite young and and on that note uh, when you've got a, um, the team made up of the profile that we have, and as Josh said, we also mm. have a young manager as well. I always feel that young players, that young profile, it does equal inconsistent performances. We want a nice run now, and I really hope people are aware that at some point the run will end. At some point we're going to have an off day and we're going to get maybe a, a loss to a team that we feel that we should be able to win against. But it doesn't mean that you have to lose your shit. Because we are seeing now that this team is possibly, they, they are able to put games together. But young manager, young team, there's going to be bumps in the road. Um, I'm, I'm, prepared to, I'm prepared for that. And I'm, I'm just, you just got to take it on the chin. And the big thing is that when we do hit those bumps in the road, that everybody learns from it. The manager learns, the players learn, so that when the next bump comes, it's a different one. We're not repeating the same things and we learn from yeah. our mistakes. So happy days ahead, I think. Yeah, I think the biggest bump in the road we'll get is when we bring in the big young signing. You know, they're talking about, I know Ben White was 50 million, but that's kind of the going rate for a centre-back. I think one of the things that, if we look at KSE, and I know one of the things that have been lauded against them is what they've done with the uh, LA Rams. But they went all in on Jared Goff, and I think they've kind of learned from that, and, you know, he's not there anymore. Was he a free the, agent? Uh, they swapped him. I can't remember where he went. Because I, was, I know, I know, I don't know a single player who plays for my but, Dolphins. But yeah. I was listening to someone explain about Stan and all the financial trouble mm. that he's going to be in. Um, if people haven't listened, go and do a, a goggle. Go and do a duck, duck, go on Stan Kroenke and the money he, he is meant to pay because he's, he's trying to renege on it. And it could mm. be up to a billion dollars that he is going to yeah. have to pay to cover all the expensive and all the fines. And then during that, Josh, they were saying that they also went big and got a hell of a lot of free agents in, but I didn't know. Yeah, no, they went and got rid of uh, Jared Goff, which was the kind of big signing star. You know, it was the, um, you know, they just got the moving the franchise, getting this new quarterback, you know, the star player, first pick in the draft, all of that. We, we haven't seen them do that at Arsenal, but I think that's coming because I think we're going to go on to later 
where's one part of this squad in the spine, especially that we've not gone big in yet, and that striker. And that's where you can, you know, you look at newly rich uh, Newcastle and look at their star signing striker in Joe Linton, who I think was £40 million. You know, £40 million as a striker doesn't always translate directly to goals. And I'm sure we can name many a flop that we've had at striker. And I think that's the really key one where we're eventually going to be putting all our eggs into a basket that that's going to be the real test. And I think we could get away with uh, not spending huge money in the other positions that we've got. So, you know, central midfield, right back, left back. We've not spent mega money on those positions um, in for young players. But I think striker, we're going to have to because there's always going to be a premium for a prolific goal scorer of a young age. There is. It's, um, I'm just looking at Tavares, or T- Tavage, and he is uh, yeah, he's only left-back. I think I said recently that he could play at right-back, but I don't think he can if he's left-footed and no, left-back. No, his, um, his, bro- his, his brother? I'm sure it was his brother. There was, there was two Tavareses at Benfica, and one plays right-back, uh, one plays left-back. Maybe that's what I was getting it confused with. Um, well, we can just go and talk about the strikers now if you want. I've got some notes. I've made two weeks in a row. Mm. People have made notes. And I have put, uh, scroll up a little diddly bit. Uh, the striker situation, Young staying and is on form. So no one's got any problems with Young at the moment. Have we? I mean, is, he on, is he on form? Well, yeah, he's our top goal scorer. Just looking at his stats. Just he's he's our top, top goal scorer. I mean, Jorginho was top goal scorer for Chelsea last season. It doesn't always translate. 11 games, seven goals, two assists. Is that not is that not on form? I suppose you, you did a stat pad that a bit. Mm. So that really should be 10 games, four goals, um, because if you take away the ones against the West Brom under-12s, <laughs> then which was a bit stat paddy, wasn't it? So Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't get that feeling that he's in form. I don't know, Stan, do you? Not at all. That's, yeah. that's, there's been something wrong with him. And I don't know whether it's been the same thing, but there's always been something up with him over the past year. You know, he's been mm. ill, the malaria, family members, not, you know, uh, bereavements and things like that. There's, there seems to be something up with him. Mm. You know, um, he, he's, hit, he's hit over the hill as well, isn't he, in terms of age. I know you can talk about, you know, Ronaldo's so quickly, It seems so quickly, Josh, doesn't it? It seems yeah. like the, the, the fall off, the drop away from what mm. we've seen of him in the first, you know, the first few seasons of him being an Arsenal player, it, it seems really steep and severe mm. to me. Definitely. I think certainly um, the way that Mikel started to play after the FA Cup final as well didn't necessarily help him because I think he was absolutely superb uh, in that when we were kind of playing that more counter-attacking style, you know, style that kind of suits him better. Now that we're pushing more towards possession-based, you can kind of see it doesn't always suit him, but even then there does seem to be something that's he should still be scoring more than he is. And even when I know you can't say every time you take a penalty, you should be scoring, but on the same hand, Aubameyang should be scoring every single penalty that he's taking um, really without putting ridiculous pressure on him. But. Well, you know, that website, FB Ref, according to them, mm. when you take his goals and assists per 90 minutes, this is as deep as I get with stats. At the moment, this season, 0.57. Last season, 0.42. Before that, 0.66, 0.76. So there is a gradual decline, but he's 0.15 better off than he was last season. 
See, a lot of people that I, I've had conversations with about Aubameyang, a lot of them in, in his defence were saying that he they felt that the main problem was that he wasn't getting the service or he doesn't fit the team. Mm. But my view of it was, especially a lot of it for last season, he was either the one trying to ping the ball into the box, which we don't want. We don't want him mm. delivering the ball. We want him receiving it. And when... When it was switched around and he was in the penalty box and there to receive the ball, it seemed to me that he was missing a lot of sitters. That the chances that he was getting, he wasn't able to to put them away, and that's quite worrying. And then if you dovetail that with he he goes away on his international duty, and he seems to be all smiles, very happy, mm. has a good performance, looks like he wants to be there, comes back to Arsenal, and he looks like he's got the the, the weight of the world <laughs> on his shoulders. And we're the ones paying him his salary and helping him maintain his lifestyle. He looks like, not so much now, but there was a long period where he looked like he'd rather be anywhere else. I think his attitude does look a little bit better now. He's celebrating with the team. He's happy when people score. But he seems to have lost his powers a little bit. Yeah, I wonder how much... He's looking happier, joining in. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how much goes into it if, uh, you know, he probably thinks that it's arguably his last AFCON... Uh, coming up with Gabon. Is he going to be playing in two years' time? Maybe not. This is kind of his last chance to do anything with the national side. And it does look like he is saving himself. And to be honest, if I was in his shoes, I'd probably be doing the same. That, you know, the last chance for my country, I'd be country over club in most senses, especially if it's, uh, you know, a smaller nation where I am the talisman for it. I asked someone yeah. I asked on Twitter and someone who watches it says they won't even make it out of the group. So he's got mm. three games and then he'll be back. Yeah, it would be something he'll enjoy. I think African football is something that, I don't know, there just seems to be, Actually. it doesn't conform to the norm of the rest of football. It just kind of breaks all XG models you'll know because basically it'll be a one-all and both goals were scored from 45 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's ridiculous how... Um, yeah, it's just really interesting football in that kind of sense. But I think that there is, we'll see after February when Aubameyang comes back, what he's like then. And I think up until now, it's I'm purely going to be speculating. Hmm. Yeah, some other points that I've made notes of, if I go to the right bit, is uh, Lacquer probably leaving in the summer. And I've read that he's off to Atletico Madrid, which would be the second time that he's wanted to sign for them, which I find a bit weird because they've got Suarez, who's on the form, almost the form of his life. And just they've just won the title. They've got um, the um, the French bloke, who I keep thinking is Spanish. Griezmann. Um, they've got those two there. And I know Griezmann does tend to play a little bit wide, but they they managed to get rid of um, uh, Diego Costa. I don't know what happened to him, but now he, they got rid of him. So... Uh, Lacazette, Stan, what do you see happening with him? Do you think January the 1st he'll have signed for someone outside of the Premier League? Or because if he stays in the Premier League, he's going to get much higher wages than he will do if he goes to Spain, won't he? Even if it is on a free. And if when he stays with us in the Premier League, I mean. When it, when it comes to our two main strikers, Lacazette and Aubameyang, personally, I would like to rip it up and start again with, with, with both of those players. I'd like to have two new strikers come into the club. But if we're focusing on Lacazette, um, I think it's it is time for him to be to be thinking about moving on. What I do like though is that it's obvious that he's got one foot out of the door. He still looks up for it. It doesn't look like he's coasting and just trying to like get his keep his head down into the summer. And I like the attitude that he's showing. I think it's um, a good attitude to, to show to some of our younger players. 
of how you conduct yourself, even how you conduct yourself if you are thinking about leaving the club, that while you're still there and you're still getting paid, you give everything. Mm. Um, he was a player that when he came in, I was really pleased to have him coming in. But as a few seasons went on, I always felt that if we were, uh, if we got rid of Olivier Giroud because we felt that he wasn't going to take us to mm. the next level, and we were bringing in other strikers to take us on to that next step, I always felt that Lacazette was wasn't going to really take us there as much as I wanted him to. And I think for the first three seasons, I don't think he ever reached Giroud's numbers in what he was able to give us in front of goal. So. Um, you know, thank you very much for your service, but I, I look forward to the summer and I'm quite excited to see what we're going to do regarding our striking options. Hmm. Josh? Yeah, I agree on Laka in were, terms of... I'm saying earlier, we, we've not spent big on um, a young forward player. Yeah. So is this what you're referring to? Yeah, because we've got Abamyang who will only have one year left on his contract by the summer. Uh, Lacazette, who... Yeah, is in the last six months. Eddie Nketiah is also another player who's, uh, yeah, whose contract is out in the summer. And we've seen from Balogun in terms of the cameos he's made, uh, well, starting against Brentford for us, that we know he will probably benefit from a loan in the championship next season just to get a string of maybe 30 games in the season at professional level against men. I think that's the thing he needs right now. So we're going to need to bring in a star striker. It's it's almost written that that's what we're doing. We're moving everything around. Obviously, depending on where we finish this season will depend on what uh, tier of striker we're potentially able to get, uh, by what we're able to actually offer in terms of football next season. But yeah, in terms of Lacazette, I think he's kind of playing in the sense that he hasn't necessarily got a move lined up yet. I think he'll have a lot of suitors, a lot of choice. And depending on how well he's playing, we'll tell him a bit like we're looking at what tier we could go for. Atletico is probably where, you know, top tier. He's going to always have a home at Lyon if he doesn't necessarily, you know, if he's given the combination uh, or the options of uh, Atletico or going back to uh, going back to Lyon. I think maybe he would take up Lyon as uh, going back there, coming back as the older player. He's uh, he's already spoken about how he enjoys working and playing with the younger players but Leon, one of the best academies in France is definitely an option back for him there if he enjoys doing that coming back as a hero uh, yeah probably picking up the captain's armband again as well so I think there's certainly many options for him and he uh, I'd wonder if once he'd got a move lined up how he then played for us uh, I think if he sorted anything out in January, I think we'd be more likely to say if we can sort something else out on our side, you just say, you know what, you're probably not going to give us what we'd want in terms of you wouldn't have that hunger for the next six months. So uh, see you later. Um, we'll get somebody else in. Um, but yeah, Danny, what do you think about the strikers as well? Cause you got all your notes. Yeah. Um, I think the future isn't going to be two players, those two players, which is sad mm. because I like them, but you've got to separate your like for players and what the, the team needs because we've seen so often Lacazette is dropping deep. We saw Aubameyang yeah. dropping deep in recent games. And it's so obvious that most of the time under Arteta, we need a Giroud um, and Alan Smith, mm. uh, some kind of player like that who 
I mean, that's that's what Kieran Tierney spent the last 18 months do, doing, crossing to Giroud, and Giroud has been in another part of postcode in London, so it hasn't really been. I mean, his crosses are good, but they're not that good. So we do, I think that um, Arteta would like someone big and strong and also someone a little bit smaller, maybe like an Alan Smith-Ian Wright kind of combination, one who's going to get you loads of goals and one who's going to set up goals and maybe score goals. It's going to be good from set pieces and corners and, and crosses and all that lot. But um, those two players we don't have at the club. Maybe to a certain extent, Balogun could be the, the, the young striker. But like you said, Josh, he needs to, he should this season, he should be on loan somewhere because he is banging in a goal a game at the moment for the under-23s, if not more. And the rumours are that we've been linked to Vlahovic. I think that's Dusan Vlahovic. He's only 21. And I'm just looking at his stats here. Uh, this season, he's um, he's got um, eight goals in 12 games. But I just had a look. Four of those are penalties. A bit stat paddy. <laughs> and last season, he had um, 21 goals in 37 league games. This is league games only. 21 in 37, of which six were penalties. So that's uh, six, 12... So that's about a quarter of his goals. No, just over a quarter of his goals were from penalties. I mean, 10 penalties in one and a, one and a half, one and a third seasons. So anybody, uh, anyone seen him play? Because I've seen him play on, on, I've done the obligatory, check him out on YouTube and he does look really good. But there again, very rarely do you get uh, a compil- compilation on YouTube and of, of you looking shit. So they're always pretty good, but he does look a bit. Not my compilation then, have you? <laughs> Obviously. It's just you on fours or five rolling it. Uh, yeah I, th- I think he's an interesting player to look at I think he's like that kind of hybrid between the two of what you mentioned he is you know we want an Abamyang that could hold the ball up or we want an Lacazette with the pace to get in behind uh, that's that's what we're looking for is we're looking for either option if we can get somebody who can fulfill both roles that's great and then we just work through you know in terms of quality what we've got behind him Um but yeah, I think there's a couple of options we could certainly look at. I think it'd be interesting to see what he's like. Um, we're just saying strikers from the uh, from Serie A don't necessarily translate their goals outside of Serie A. Um, I mean, has Lukaku scored for Chelsea yet in the league? Only against us. <laughs> yeah, yeah I think it's not. It's not. It doesn't always translate. He has been injured for a while, to be fair. It's a bit tongue-in-cheek, that comment. Um, Especially he didn't play against Norwich. Um, That probably held him back a little bit in terms of stat padding. But yeah, um, there's that's the kind of worry that I'd have with it. But then I also, when we talk about the recruitment at the top of the show, I don't have any, you know, misgivings about anybody that they look to sign now. Uh, Unless it's another Willian which you could see immediately was a stupid choice and a stupid decision. If anyone that Edu and Arteta identify right now, I think they've got enough, uh, enough already in, um, in credit in the bank that I'm happy with whatever choice they go for because they clearly have seen something in a player that they can make it work. Mm, I'll just look in Stan at the stats for Lacazette and Aubameyang. Aubameyang's been here for three years this January and Lacazette's been here for three and a half years and between them 338 games 160 goals I mean that's that's pretty that's pretty decent isn't it that's not bad the guy that you just mentioned uh, the, the I can't even pronounce his name begins with the V Dusan yes 
I don't know anything about him, but I did read. Uh, Doesn't stop you having an opinion. <laughs> I did, I did, yeah, especially on Twitter. I did, and funny enough, it was on Twitter yesterday that I was reading from um, one of the big wigs, you know, who knows everything, you know, one of these uh, Fabrizio Romano type. I can't remember exactly who it was, but they were saying that uh, that guy, whose name I can't say, his agent's not been picking up the phone to Arsenal and they can't get in touch with him. It's like, <laughs> I don't know if, the, if he's ghosting us or screening the calls, but it, they were saying that they just can't get him on the phone. So I don't know what's going on there, but. Do you think? Do you guys think that by next summer, do you think both Aubameyang and Lacazette will be moved out of the club, or do you think Aubameyang is going to be here after the summer? Unless we get an offer for Aubameyang, I think he's staying. Um, I don't think we'll try and actively move him because I don't think we need to. I think he's at that point in his career where if we go in the summer, we're going big on a new striker because Lacazette's gone and you've only got one year left and you're in your mid-30s. It's He should be expecting us to be going out as a club for a big-name striker. So I don't. I think it's then up to him. What does he want from his football? Does he want to continue you know, picking up quite a nice wage packet and probably not playing every week or at least... Um, you know, sitting on the bench, coming off the bench, playing uh, a bit part role as a new guy beds in, or does he fancy playing a bit more and stepping down in terms of quality? Because I don't think he'd end up, probably end up yeah. at a Champions League side, but a team that isn't, uh, you know, is in a lesser league that gets into the Champions I could see him doing League. well in Italy. They he like could go back. An he, could, striker. he could go back to Italy, totally. He's been there before. Yeah, or maybe Newcastle fancy it as a new Mercurial <laughs> striker. Imagine them poor fuckers trying to say Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. <laughs> Jesus. Aubameyang, why am? Why am? Why am? That's it. Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think there is going to be change. Just looking at the contracts, this is without Arsenal renewing a one-year extension if they have it on any of these. Lacazette, Kalasnic, Elneny, Chambers and Ketia their contracts all expire in the summer. And I, I can see someone like Nketiah leaving in January because he's not getting games with us. And uh, there are going to be teams out there that have seen him. He's, his League Cup record is good. He's uh, never scored a goal for more than six inches out. He's gone full Gary Lineker on that one. Elneny not getting any games, plus he's going to be gone in January. Callum Chambers, he's got Newcastle United written all over him. He's a versatile player, can play centre-back, right-back, defensive midfielder. He could be their star player. Kalasnic, well, I don't stand up. What do you think about letting players go or, or buying out their contracts? Because I was thinking we've had um, Ozil, Mustafi, and uh, the Greek lad who's, I, know, I can never remember. I always want to say Olympiakos. Socrates, that's it. Sorry, Sophie, if you, she won't be listening. She's got better things to do with her time. <laughs> uh, although I'm part Greek now. I'm 16% Greek, so I am, I've insulted myself for that one. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think there's going to be enough money to let even more players go because looking at that, like, I think that costs us the best part of 15 million quid, between 10 and 15 million to get those players to go away. And we, we I can't see us doing it to any more. And no matter where Kalasnic, Elneny or Chambers go, they're not going to get the same kind of money that they want at Arsenal, are they? No, if, if I was the manager, of the Premier League, if I was the manager, I just want them gone personally. You know, you don't mm. want these old faces just hanging around and, and stinking up the place. <laughs> and it's not, it's not, it's not a good, it's not a good um, habit to get into paying players to go away. 
the only thing is, is that do you learn from it? So do you make sure that you, you never get yourself into a situation again where you're having to do that, where you're not paying an average player um, higher than what he's worth? so that you have yourself in a position that if you need to move on, that you can. And that's been our Achilles heel for so long. And we've done it again with Aubameyang, right? You know, as Josh said, it's going to be up to him at the the end, whether he wants to see out his contract and gather up every farthing or whether he wants to go off and play. Because even if we decided, even if we gave him away for free, he's going to pay his wages. There's no one out there that's going to pay his wages. You know, Newcastle could afford it, but they could probably afford to get someone in who's a better prospect and pay the wages. So we're kind of stuck in that situation. But if you've got to pay certain players to go, I'd rather cut our losses and start afresh. You know, I just wish that we'd, you know, we'd, we'd taken what was an offer from Roma for, for Granite Xhaka, but we deem that a deal that we didn't want to do. But as other players, well, we'll say, OK, off you go and we'll pay it, pay it out. So... I suppose, Josh, we've only six months left on some of their contracts. You can afford to say, go on and off you go. It's not like Mustafi and Ozil that had over a year left on their contracts. And I mean, Ozil was on, what, 350 grand a week, something like that, 250. And to get rid of you times that by a year and a half, that is, uh, that's why. So I think I read somewhere that Arsenal transferred him. This, this, rumours as usual, they transferred him 13 million into his bank account. He was seven or 13 into his bank account to get, get him to go. And that's why Fenerbahce didn't pay him for the for the half a season he was there. He went and played there for nothing because Arsenal paid it. I mean, take whatever information out of that you want because it could all be nonsense. But like we can afford with six months to go to get rid of quite a few. Would, would you get rid of any? Say thank I, you very much. Goodbye. Same as Stan. I wouldn't, I think with the list of players that we're talking about right now, there's no one that I said would need to be leaving the club right away. Um, maybe Kalasanich would be the only one I'd push the trigger on slightly early, but it seems to be that now that we've got rid of his mates, he's less of a twat. Um, That's very true. Yeah, Kalasanich has gone, Ozil has gone, and we know Kalas- uh, Kalasanich, sorry, Mustafi's gone, but he was the kind of part of that clique. We've got the clique now. What was the hashtag, happen. Josh? Uh, it was the hashtag the Bundesliga bastards. Oh, never caught on, did it? It never caught on. Uh, we did try. We really tried on that we one. But... We had one on, on the yeah. fan circle. was hashtag the shitbag seven because we identified seven players. That just, <laughs> the shitbag How seven. How did that go? It, 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 you know, it had legs for a while. <laughs> yeah, and whilst we uh, took the legs out of all of those seven as well. But yeah, you can't have a shitbag one and you can't have a Bundesliga bastard. Uh, it, it doesn't have the same power in the dressing room that I think the larger clique had. So it's not something I'm wholly worried about. I'm like, we don't need to get rid of these players right away. If they're happy, or it doesn't even matter if they're unhappy. Uh, if they want to leave, it's up to them to tell their agent. And I don't want us to be putting any work into trying to get rid of them because they're clearly not causing us that many issues right now. I think we've not heard anything about Chambers kicking up a fuss about the fact that he would, you know, he is now, what, fourth choice centre-back? and say almost last. <laughs> yeah, and then third choice right-back. There may be an opportunity for him, but I wouldn't see it. And I've seen, you know, we've had so much to do over the previous seasons. I'd rather we just concentrate on what we can deal with. And if it comes to, Jan- you know, it comes to the summer, we don't even have to think about what we're doing with a load of players because they're just going to leave. Uh, you know, Edu doesn't have to try and work out how to buy their contracts out. 
it's just going to expire. And I think that's the way I'd look at it at the moment. Just have a coach or a minibus parked outside the club when they're about to take them all to the airport in one journey. <laughs> just try and save them getting on a uh, a group deal. I think there's some decent flights out to Eastern Europe in January. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do with uh, Edu. The striker situation is the one thing that we really need to sort out. So if you've got, I've got no idea, any idea who realistically we can get in and and when? I mean, realistically, we could probably get anybody from the bottom six because uh, it depends where we're going to finish. It is then. Yeah, exactly. It depends where we're finishing. If we're a Champions League side, there's names that we're not even, you know, that we're saying are unrealistic. I'm thinking of uh, Isaac at, uh, Real Sociedad if we get Champions League no, completely fellow. yeah he completely becomes an option for us but if we're not in Champions League then fuck no he's not going to come to us is he at Sociedad at the moment he is at Sociedad uh, they've only just bought him in the summer didn't they or? they bought him last season he came from in. Dortmund was it um, yeah it was at Dortmund look at that I've got my yeah. hands under my chin people I wasn't even goggling it yeah yeah he already has it on his another monitor. Mike told us all his secrets. <laughs> I've only got one monitor. <laughs> I would like another one, though. Uh, but, yeah, I think in terms of like names, I don't think it's the time right now to have a look at it because it's still... Let's have a look and see what players are doing through this season as well because there's going to be plenty of names that we're not talking about right now that are going to explode uh, back into form or into a new Lisa form. And just, there'll be players that we want to pick up on and, and go for, but... But what right do we now, go for, Stan? What we, do we, or Josh, do we do we go for someone who's ready-made, like like a Harry Kane, but not Harry Kane? Or do we go for someone like um, Calvert-Lewin, if he's not busy dressing up as a girl, um, someone someone like that, where they, they're going to become good quite soon? Or do we go for someone like an Ollie Watkins, now that Villa is shit again? I mean, there's different levels that we can go for. I know, like Josh was saying, it depends on where we're going to fit. I think we can, you can put, you can go and, and, Sell you um, put your put your kidneys on the fact we're getting European football next season, and it's not going to be the the Tottenham Conference League football, which is not even real football. If we're going to get Europa League, or maybe if we might get someone in in January, Champions League fourth place. As we saw, Liverpool lost at the, the weekend to bloody West Ham. Everybody's beatable. Yeah, I mean, if, if I get my wish and we rip up our, our attacking and we start again, that's the area. Then I think that we would need to have some experience in the side, you know, as, as good as some of these kids are, there is that little bit of stewardship that I think would be missing from the team because our senior players now are really, uh, kids. The, the two up front. <laughs> They're right? all my daughter's age. <laughs> Aubameyang and, um, uh, Lacazette, uh, Pepe, you know, they're kind of like the elder statesman now of the club. Mm. Part is, 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 is pretty mature, but he's quite new to the club. So, the strikers that we bring in for me, they need to have some experience, maybe one something somewhere else, know what it's like to be in a, in, 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 a, in, a, in a fight for something that can help the players through. I don't know who that person is, but I think I agree with Josh, depending on where we finish, is going to decide on what we can get. If we finish in the Champions League, that, that opens up the door to a lot more players who will look at what we're, what we're doing and they'll be able to see for themselves that there's something happening over at Arsenal and maybe they want to get on get on board. If we finish outside of, of European competition, then we're probably you know bringing in someone who's a little bit of an unknown or untested or hasn't settled somewhere and it's a bit of a gamble. Personally, for me, I, I think that experience is what we need. 
especially in that position as well. Ideally, if you're going to bring in two, if I got my wish, one with that has that experience, maybe around 28, 29 years of age, and then the other one being maybe in that profile between the ages of maybe 24 to 26, somewhere around there. Would you want them to be British or like the rest of our team seems to be gelling so quickly because they've all grown up playing Premier League, well, playing English football, and that's one they're all they're all British and they gel instantly. It seems, apart from the the um, Laconga and Tavares, which uh, that's just a miracle that that's working so quickly. <laughs> or would you go one English, one British, and one European, or would you go a little bit kinky and go South American? Because our current South American, Martin Oliva, I've not forgotten about. He has scored one goal in his last fifteen games. Admittedly. All 15 of those games were the last three minutes when we were winning anyway, but it's not looking good for him, is it? He just, he's, I don't know. I'd go finish, and I'm not talking about the nation. I don't care where they come from as long as they've got that one attribute that they can put the ball in the back of the net. I want to, I want to, someone that can finish. I want someone that can take long shots. I want someone that can tap them in. I want a well rounded goal scorer. Thank you. And ideally, if we could have two, please. I mean, I don't know if we're going to continue with, you know, of late it looks like we've been playing a little bit of a 4-4-1-1 with sort of two strikers. I don't know if this is just a makeshift thing until Arteta gets the strikers that he wants and we'll go back to having a main central uh, striker with sort of two wider forwards accompanying that. So it's going to be interesting to see which way we go there as well. Yeah, I like the way that we've kind of dropped into that like 4-4-2 so Sam, the uh, for defensive, it's kind of you know back to basics in terms of football. Uh, yeah, two lines of four, difficult to break down, and two boys at the top that are going to press uh, when needed. I think that's what I'm looking at. I want a finisher, but I, they also need to have legs in this. Uh, they need to have that stamina. They need to be able to run around. We can't be getting demands that. Yeah, we can't be getting someone like Ibrahimovic <laughs> who's just going to stand there and just say, "Pass me the ball," and I'll just twat it in from wherever. <laughs> They need to be doing something uh, off the ball as well. And I think that's the key thing. It doesn't matter where they come from again. Um, you've mentioned Calvert-Lewin. He's certainly the English striker that I would look at. Uh, he can do everything. I think the other key attribute that we have missed for so long uh, since Giroud left is a player that knows how to head it. Mm. Uh, because we have missed so many opportunities, I feel, by not having a striker who's got that instinct to win a header in the box. Um uh, you was talking about Kieran Tierney's crossing. So many of them, you're just like, right, if someone's got that natural instinct to go and attack it with their head, they're getting goals. Or even to get a piggyback team. off of someone and do it. Any, what, how, whichever way they do it. You know, if we get Alexis Sanchez and uh, back and, you know, Smith throws on the edge of the box and just throws him over uh, to try and head it in. It's fine. However, we, which way we do it, we need somebody that knows that how to head a, the ball. A wasted yeah. avenue, that isn't it? Especially so when you've got the ability to do it. Yeah, because that's the one key thing that we don't have. And we've seen it with how uh, you know Ramsdale's been dealing with his kicking out. Oh, if he's not hitting it short, magnificent. Yeah. If he's not hitting it short, he's hitting it long. Now go on, I've got, I'll ask a question about Ramsdale. Yeah. After. I was going to say, he's kicking it long and we need those tall players. That's why Pepe was coming back into the side because he's the only player above six foot who we could hit reliably and would tr- most of the time bring it down and we'd be able to continue up the field. But I think that's the key thing we're missing at the moment is that kind of all-rounded striker. And unfortunately, they don't come cheap. 
I was going to say about Ramsdale, I can't remember. Mm. I, don't, I take no notice of anything. So this is why I don't remember. But a goalkeeper getting the ball, booting it out quite low and it landing at the feet of the striker. How He's done that so many times this season. And I don't know anybody else who does that. Josh, you, you watch football in a million different countries. <laughs> is there anybody who does that at a consistent level like he does? I think confidence? Outs- I would say outside of uh, Manchester uh, City, that is, and Liverpool, I don't mm. think there is a goalkeeper. Well, I could just say outside of Brazil, to be honest. Mm. There isn't a goalkeeper right now. It's like watching almost like a young Neuer in terms of the way he distributes the ball. Um, never go full Neuer. No, never go full Neuer. And there's another player as well that I think I'd be loath to mention because he's an awful goalkeeper and he plays for them up the road. But um, uh, Lauren Koscielny's drinking buddy uh, in uh, Larice, I think he's another one that, you know, in his younger days, he was very good at spraying the ball, the kind of original French sweeper keeper. And getting it out so, so quick as well. Yeah. And accurately. That's like a whole new attacking avenue that that other clubs don't have. And it helped. I mean, if we're not counter-attacking with them, we spent ages under Arteta counter-attacking in his first part with a bummer young. It'd be like a whippet going down there. And that's how he won the FA Cup. And then you know, counter-attacking with Tierney down the left. And that was working magnificently. We all remember that, that game against West Brom. And I think it was in the snow. And he was like a whippet down that side. And to have all of that lot. And now we've got a goalkeeper who can get it, hoof it quickly down, or not even hoof it, pass it, uh, a, a rate of knots to somebody, even on the wing, whether he's throwing it or whether he's booting it. We really, if we had the right players up front, the, the amount of um, ability and uh, skill that takes and how we could uh, make the most of that, that is really, and I mean, what is it? He's, he's, he's 23. We saw with Watford, their goalkeeper was 38. Imagine having Ramsdale at the club until he was 38, playing 40, 50, 60 games a season. My God, it'd be at 722 before you know it. Well, we'd have a, uh, I think the other thing to mention is that the defence or the players that he's kicking it out to as well, we're not getting pressed as heavily because we've got these players that know how to deal with it when they've got the ball at their feet. You know, we've spent £50 million on Ben White. Ben White, the way he walks that ball out of yeah, defence, soul Campbellish at times. You know, if it was Rob Holding instead, you know that they're going to pressure Ramsdale <laughs> to pass it to Holding because then they can pressure again. They know he's another weak spot. And they fall you can pressure Ramsdale. Ramsdale's knocking it out to Ben White, knocking it out to Gabriel, knocking it out to Tommy Arsu. We've got those options who know how to get the ball, can play in this system. And I think that's why we're seeing us being a lot better. It's helping Ramsdale a lot because it doesn't matter who he passes to, they're not weak in that area. Um yeah, and I think that's huge for us right now. And I'm sure we're going to go on to the, uh, you know, our midfield and uh, Ben yeah. White um, in more detail as well. Stan, talking about that, how many times this season have you had the Benny Hill music playing in your head when we're passing that from goal? When, <laughs> oh. when Ramsdale's been in goal? Well, it doesn't happen anymore, but that used to, you know, working the ball out from the back, getting the ball up just up to, 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 to about the halfway line and then turning around and kicking it all the way back to the goalkeeper was just, my, my heart couldn't take it because you're just inviting so much trouble. I'm so glad to see that we're getting that out of our game now. True. Well, Josh, what part are we moving on to next, do you think? Not the... Which uh, the uh, the I think the Watford play. game because you've That's mentioned uh, a 38 year old goalkeeper 
Ramsdale, and I've mentioned Ben White. Uh, so yeah, I think that's the natural way to go. Well, and should notes... we talk about Maitland Niles and uh, Sambi in midfield? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, we found uh, the second coming of Vieira now again. In it Maitland Niles. Uh... There was there was someone I saw on a podcast somewhere. It might have been your no, it wasn't your bloke last night, Stan. That I was watching while sat in bed, but uh, they were saying that Lekonga. No, it was somebody on Twitter who was uh, he was saying that Lekonga messes up every time he gets the ball and he needs to be dropped or was it loaned out immediately? <laughs> I thought uh, Maitland Niles and Lekonga were magnificent. I mean, Maitland Niles has has come from from the wastelands of uh, Arteta's backroom of despair to start in games and get him out of the match. And that's, that's the stuff of dreams. Another Halen. We've got three Halen boys at the moment doing wonders. And that game at the weekend, Stan, was it, was it just because we were playing uh, Watford who were, who were quite frankly shit. They spent, <laughs> Watford spent so much time rolling around on the floor that we had most, most of the possession because they were awful and they didn't want to play football, but Maitland Niles kept his head. The Conga was brilliant. And like Josh was saying, was it, was it Vieira-esque for you at times? Very pleasantly surprised with Ainsley Maitland-Niles performance. I've been one of his biggest critics and doubters, and that's just been going by what I've seen when I've seen him play. So when I saw him in the starting lineup, I was like, oh, okay, is this going to be our weak link? But he was my man of the match. A great performance. And again, if this if if this is going to be a change in the style of play and, and he can put out performances like that when he's needed, then I'm happy to keep him around because he is a versatile player. Now, he can fit into a number of places and I really hope that he feels comfortable because I think a lot of it was more him sort of showing a little bit of unhappiness of how he was being used, the lack of minutes. But if he continues to work hard like that, especially if we progress and start getting into European competition, he's going to get more games. Players get injured and players get suspended and go out of form. So if that's how he's going to continue, I always look at things in a game-by-game basis. And that last game for me, I thought it was very, very good. I'm happy to see him again. Sambi Lokonga, again, another breath of fresh air of, of coming to Arsenal. I'd never heard of him. Didn't even know walk the face of planet Earth until I heard him. we were linked with him. Um, didn't have surprised as well that he was, he was the captain of Anderlecht as well. Of Anderlecht as well. Um, looks very good. Um, sometimes a little bit I felt I found at times in some of the games that positionally sometimes he can get himself into wrong places but again it looks like another one that's got a good future ahead of him it's amazing that company is a a Man City legend of Premier League legend and he is at um, Anderlecht and and Man City didn't go for him no one wanted him because we what did we get him for was it 20 23 19 17 some number between 1 and 100 It's amazing, Josh, wasn't it? How impressed were you? Yeah, I thought Sambi was excellent in the game. I think, again, Maitland-Niles as well. Uh, But I think one thing that I have seen be um, quite underestimated, or, yeah, I'd say underestimated, was how shit Watford are. Um, (laughs) I I had the pleasure of watching Watford uh, earlier in the season in the flesh uh, at the Amex, and that is the worst team I have seen Brighton play since they were in Division 2 playing Northampton Town. It was awful. On, the They're an awful team. Um, yeah, Ishmael Asar isn't that player that scared a shitless a couple of seasons ago uh, when he was playing for Wren. It was just disorganisation. And I think that's where I'm putting a little bit of the uh, caveat on Maitland-Niles. Um He's a player that I thought, yeah, at West Brom, 
it was great in terms of playing in a three. He could do what he wanted and he looked all right at West Brom because I think that was kind of his level playing in that kind of side. I think we didn't really see much pressing from Watford. It was more about, um, what's his name? Uh, what was the player that just went around kicking everybody? Uh, eventually, oh, no, eventually got kicked, do, sent off. Dusak? Yeah, that, was it Dusak? Kuchak? That I've got guy. his name written down because he's one of the scumbags yeah. on it. It is. Um, Do I have a tattoos on, on his arms? K U C K A. Kuchka. Kuchka. Anyway, it was him. Uh, he was just going around kicking everybody. Musa Soko hasn't got legs anymore. It wasn't necessarily a midfield that would scare me, and I'd go, fuck, they're going to play through us. Uh, so I think that kind of helped make the Nas and helped Sambi as well. It's an inexperienced group. It's great to see that, you know, we've got an option there that coming into January that we're not going to end up relying on Jacket. And there's certainly an opportunity here for Maitland-Niles. He can, again, I'm already three spoonfuls into my humble pie. I'm very <laughs> happily take a fourth if Maitland-Niles proves me wrong. But there is that opportunity for him. Jacket's not back till January. Thomas Partey is only going to be, you know, I thought it was a good opportunity actually to rest Partey, just generally. You didn't need to risk him for a game like this. He's not saw playing for... Um, is it Ghana? He's not he for Ghana, for? yeah. Yeah, they've said no. Is, is that, is that worrying? That, maybe if it's another little injury, but it's one of those that when we know we're going to get a player kicked up in the air and we can mm. afford not to play them, don't. It's that simple. We didn't have to play Partey in that game. So I would happily watch you know, Maitland-Niles in that is to take all the kicking that Partey would get because against the better sides, I'd rather Partey in our midfield than uh, Maitland-Niles with Partey ending up being injured because he got kicked against Watford. So, How many games um, Maitland-Niles has played for for the Arsenal? I wouldn't be surprised if you'd said it was up near the 50s. (laughs) Stan? Mm, Yeah, I'll agree with Josh there. It's got to be around the 50 mark, right? 130. Oh, yeah. Okay. Are you at that time of right wing back? Substitutions. <laughs> I'm just looking at players on my my Arsenal spreadsheet that I've got. Players you that have gone back less... to the under sixes, have you? No, it's on. According to Wikipedia, 130. <laughs> uh, he's played more games than Edu, Wilbeck, Nasri, um, Chambers, Holding, Leno, Limpar, Sendros, Kalasnic, Luzhny, Reyes, Platt. And uh, Anelka, Saka, Podolski, Willock. How old is Ainsley? Now, have we got that there? How old is he? Twenty-three. Twenty-four. He's just—he was twenty-four in August. He's one hundred and thirty games, all competitions with three goals. Mm. I mean, if he—if he's happy, like you were saying, Josh, to to play against the, the teams that are going to play football like that, or and come on and do what what the game. Well, who's been doing it before? I can't really remember the last player we had that would come on and play left back, left wing back, right back, right wing back, holding midfield, attacking midfield, maybe even play out on the wings a little bit. He could make a career at Arsenal of four, five hundred games. Well, four hundred games if he wanted to spend the rest of his time at Arsenal doing that job, and that is a job it looks like. Of and you're going to be involved playing decent football at a top level and might even win more more trophies, which is what everybody wants. It's I, I never thought I'd see the state of the day coming when Maitland-Niles would 
be playing regularly for Arsenal at whatever, whether it's a regular sub or starting in games like that. But he can he can carve out a decent career, can't he? He'd be a James Milner with charisma. That's what he could be for Arsenal. <laughs> uh, that's that's all I kind of see his role ever being for us is that kind of player that could play anywhere. Uh, yeah, it's not going to help him necessarily in the long run if he wants to get into the England side. He's definitely not getting Five into the England side. for England, side. England he's had. Yeah. I know, and all of them are right back. He's, I don't think he's ever getting into the England side in central midfield, if that's where he chooses to play. But I think that's one of the things he's have to go with. Obviously, I've said that there is a chance for him in the run-up. There's going to be opportunities for him to play again up until Christmas, and that's where he's going to be cementing in Arteta's mind whether or not when Xhaka's back, does Xhaka come straight back in? Or is he going, right, make the nose, you've done your job. Actually, it's either Sambi's coming out for Xhaka or it's you two going for it because you've shown against certainly Watford, which I kind of mentioned is a bit like kicking a blind man's stick away at the moment. But <laughs> there's some other, there's definitely some teams that we'll be playing in January because I'm thinking, uh, I'm sure you're going to go through it. Yeah, there's a couple of, I think we're only playing, what, three or four games? Liverpool away, in Newcastle home, Man United away. And then after and then, that, FA it's... Cup game will drop in there because it's third round of FA Cup. It's always first week of January or second week of January. Oh, no, we've only got two games. Uh, we've got the 20th and the 27th, and that's it. And then beginning of December, Man United away, Everton away, and then Southampton and West Ham at home. Hmm. So that's a pretty decent run of games. There's only really one there that worries me, and that is Liverpool. Oh, worries everybody, but we've seen it recent before, games. Um, you move away from that midfield uh, hmm. discussion. I was just thinking as well that... Um, Maybe an option would be for Ainsley Maitland-Niles um, if we move on El Nenny in the summer mm. and then we give Ainsley Maitland-Niles that spot in the in the in the team. You know, you yeah. can bring him on when you need to close out a game, which is what you know I think El Nenny's quite good at cup games, things like that. He'll get more minutes and he gets him closer to the action and taking up that spot in the team. Mm. He can then see if he can push on from there. Yeah, and I think certainly, and if we get European football again there's all of those group game fodders that he can yeah. deal with all, you know, the weekend after when we're playing again, another promoted side, he comes in because Partey, hopefully a replacement for Xhaka has come in and they're now playing those games in you know, big European nights. If we're in champions league, you know, we're talking about playing some of the big teams in uh, Europe that maybe it's PSG midweek and we're playing uh, someone lesser at the weekend. And that's his, certainly his opportunity to be playing in those kind of games. El Nenny, 132 games for Arsenal. Five goals? Um, 130, yep, five. All screamers. Yeah. Wait till party starts getting them on target. He'll be right (laughs) up there. Right, while we're still on the Watford game, uh, some of my notes. uh, The constant time-wasting fouls, six to us, 18 by them. Rose and Cooker did four each. Watford had a 50% tackle success rate. Ours was 73%. Yellows success on maiming. (laughs) (laughs) Yellows, we had four. They had five. And Danny Rose did not get a fucking yellow. How a fucking... Talk about that one of you two while while I'm going to go and bite into a bit of wood. I think if Graham Pohl was uh, refereeing that game, Danny Rose would have ended up with three yellow cards before he got sent (laughs) off. Uh, Because it it was surprising. I think of all of them that I didn't think was a yellow, it was actually the penalty. I wasn't necessarily as angry uh, with that one as being a you know penalty. Fine, 
that's kind of the punishment. And there was a couple of tackles on Saka that I was like, I have no idea how you didn't get a yellow because I've just seen an identical tackle moments earlier that resulted in a booking. It's flashbacks of Jack Wilshere, the amount of abuse that Saka's getting. Everyone's kicking him and fouling him. And he's not even doing what Jack did, holding on to the ball for too long because he's too quick. He's too good at it. And there's still everyone we've seen. Everyone's attacking him. And and this is the future England star. And the FA are not doing anything to protect our young players. Yeah. Uh, I think they've just got to make him England captain. And then if he gets kicked, that's it. Everybody gets, you never get booked again. Everybody gets red cards. It's great. Uh, Stan, were you shouting and screaming that everyone should have had yellow cards? Because for Danny Rose not to have got a yellow with four of those tackles and that other bloke who eventually got sent off, even then it looked like the referee didn't really want to send him off. But it's just just the utter shithousery. I mean, we were giving it good against, who was it? Was it Villa we were playing or there was someone we were playing recently and people um, in the media were saying, bloody hell, Arsenal are usually the ones that are are taking it when they were giving it out. Yeah. Um, it was good to see, but that's just that's eight nineteen eighties football, isn't it? I, I'm, I wasn't surprised that somebody walked. I'm just surprised that it took as long as it did. And just by the amount of yellow cards that we picked up tells you the sort of game that it was. You know, we were kind of like getting drawn into these fouls and and, and niggles. It was a, it was a scruffy game, but yet again, it's good to see that this young clutch of players and these fresh faces were able to deal with it. Because there's going to be more games like that. And it is good to see that we can start giving a little bit out instead of always being the ones that are rolling around on our backs. Hmm. True. Right. Um, what other notes have I made? I keep kind of scratching my beard because it's itchy. Um, Obama Young missing two penalties, Josh. Is it a, in a row? Is it a problem? Because it did look like the run-up for the, the one against Watford that he wasn't overly sure. I mean, he did try and spank it a bit, but... But when you're playing against a goalkeeper who's 38 and is, uh, seems to be quite good at saving penalties, and that, uh, yet again, um, when you play against Arsenal, no matter how shit your goalkeeper is, it's like the the the, um, the reemergence of Levy Ashin or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ben Foster has had well, at least a couple of decades of having absolute worldies at the Emirates. Uh, and I think it is, it's not necessarily worrying because I think Aubameyang is now... I would say, what, third, maybe fourth best penalty taker at Arsenal. So we've got players that will come in and can take penalties and should be converting them. You know, I think Lacazette's a better penalty taker, got a better penalty record. Pepe has got a better penalty record than him. I mean, we've already spoken about him if he's on the pitch because Partey doesn't want to be kicked this week. Maitland-Niles takes a decent penalty as well. So I think there's definitely options for us. Uh, outside of Aubameyang, it's not like we've got this guy who, you know, demands penalties week in week out and demands uh, because uh, you know he's the best finisher at the club. I think we've got better penalty takers, and I don't think he can feel too aggrieved if Arteta says, "Sorry, mate, if you know one of these four players ahead of you is on the pitch at that time." they're getting the penalty ahead of you because he's missed them in big, important games as well as small games as well. You know, he's missed them against Watford, but he's also missed them against Spurs a couple of seasons ago, which could have arguably got us Champions League football, missing that one in that North London derby uh, in the last closing minutes of the game. I think there's definitely some, um, yeah, 
there's some questions to be asked about his performance with penalties. But I think if Arteta is, uh, you know, part of his man management will be just, yeah. Um, unfortunately, you've missed two in a row. We move into the next guy. And if he's on the field, then yeah, he's going to be taking it over you. And it's up to Aubameyang to get back into Arteta's good books. And that's by scoring from open play, showing you can finish, which he's struggled to do this season. Yeah, right. Um, are you all done on that? I, I, so. I have to practice well. I mean, both Pepe and Lacazette came to us with, with, with reputations of being very decisive on penalties. Both of them did. I think if either of those two are on the pitch, that they should be get they should get the shout now ahead of Aubameyang. Um, if you're not unable to do it in open play, then why would you be given to a, a, mm. the, the dead ball situation? You know, you start scoring from open play, and then you can start looking to go mm. back on pens. But that 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 penalty miss against Tottenham it still pains me to this day. <laughs> Give it to Ben White at the end of the season. That's what I say. <laughs> at least they uh, when they start going full Martin Palermo, missing three penalties in one game, then yeah, mm. <clears throat> then it's time to give up. Um, other subjects. Just, uh, Josh, tackles against Arsenal in general. Danny Rose on Lacazette in the Watford game. Evans on Aubameyang in the, uh, was it the Villa game? Uh, Leicester game. Leicester game. MacArthur on Saka. That was the Villa game, wasn't it? No, that was the Palace game. Pal- I forget which order. I'm thinking backwards of the game. But If you pick another Villa player, or just pick a player that plays for Villa, and then I'll tell you it's the Villa game. Uh, but so far, you've not picked a Villa player. Martinez? Oh, there you go. <laughs> How about these? We saw that in one of those sendings off the one, mm. I think it may well have been Evans on Aubameyang. On the same day, the same incident that happened at Man City mm. and the Man City defender got sent off. I mean, if you're sending off Man City defenders and you're not sending off people doing exactly the same situation, what hope is there for, for Arsenal and football? If they're not only... I mean, that one for um, where he, he took out um, Saka's non-standing leg if that had mm. been his standing leg Saka would be playing football again for a year he'd have snapped his leg and he just he knew what he was doing he wasn't even looking for the ball and the referee could you could just kind of look at the VAR or whatever it was and mm. these are going to keep getting away of it and what, what's what's going to happen with this how does it keep happening to us and why is there no oh we've looked back at that you've got a four game ban for that because somebody's starting the referees should be in trouble as well yeah I think it's on the referees it's the inconsistency I think that gets us it's not necessarily just inconsistency within games that we're seeing it's across the Premier League that referees are refereeing to a different standard in every game because I, I don't necessarily you know it's inexcusable what we saw against Watford that you know you see two tackles that look identical one's drawing a yellow card and another one isn't uh, without thinking that Danny Rose has possibly um, you know has invited Kevin Friend round and is uh, either his brother-in-law or there's some kind of relationship there with them that is the reason why he didn't get booked in that game then looking across the rest of the league and seeing the league isn't being refed consistently i think that's the biggest issue that or a big issue that's worrying is the fact that it now depends on who you get i you know i don't want there to be a difference with my referees that every referee i get has got to be you know not necessarily robotic but 
you know, there shouldn't be a difference in how they actually call the game, you know, especially for things that are red card or yellow card offences. There's definitely things of how they deal with things like uh, disciplinary or um, dissent against them, you know, how they manage that. I think that's where there is an ability to, you know, uh, play or uh, you know play the field play the atmosphere of the game uh, but there is definitely something when it comes to tackling which does need to be clamped down on especially with the kind of tackles that we've seen been going in on our, especially our players but across the league as well I think it's generally got a little bit more dangerous than it has last season I mean, when it's not your team, you think, oh, go on, son, get in there, didn't you, Stan? But when it is our team, our beautiful boys, we don't want to see that, do we? It's not fair. It's not right and it's not fair. It's just annoying when you see something very similar on the same day at another match mm-hmm. and it's a completely different outcome. And I get it. There's a lot of people out there that start saying that, you know, the referees are biased against Arsenal and then people say, we've got a conspiracy, series, conspiracy theory hat on. <laughs> But there might be a little bit something too that I watch football here in Canada on the zone. And fuck me, the commentators are very, very biased against Arsenal. Mm. In that Villa game, the commentators, I think the colour commentator was Jim Beglin and the play-by-play was uh, Martin Tyler. They were literally willing Aston Villa to score. <laughs> they were all in an R in every time they almost done something. And, you know, when Eddie Nketiah scored his goal, which almost didn't go in, but at the end of the day, he did score. And I thought his first two touches were very good to bring the ball out of the sky like he did. They went on for ages and ages and ages and ages and ages about how he almost missed that shot. And when at the end of the game, you know, basically um, the reason why we won that game was because um, Aston Villa just had a bad day. They were having a really bad day. You know, it wasn't that we played better than them on the day. It was almost like Aston Villa were expected to win Arsenal. They're a team that's expected to win Arsenal. And because they didn't, it was because we were lucky that they were having a bad day and we capitalised on it. And it does get on my nerves listening to this. And it's quite frequent in the commentary. Regarding the referees, it's it's across the league, isn't it? But you feel it more when it happens to you. You feel it a lot more. And, you know, there was a stat that came out about a lot of decisions that went against us with VAR. I, I think VAR's being used a lot better now. I think mm. I think the referees and the people up in their caravan who look at the monitors <laughs> have a better understanding on, on how to use it now because we've started to start, we've started to get some things going our way. Um, but some, yeah, shocking, some shocking tackles going in on some of our, mm. some of our boys. And like you say, you know, we're lucky that our boys managed to walk away from a couple of those. But it's part and parcel of the game. Yeah. Both Saka and um, Emil Smith are players that carry the ball for distances. So they're going to draw tackles onto them. A bit like Jack Grealish. They're always going to get, have their legs getting kicked when they're carrying the ball for distance. Yeah, we well, we know why Jim Beglin's butthurt about Arsenal, don't we? He was, uh, wasn't he in the Liverpool side on the 89? Certainly really? playing for him back then. Yeah. Danny would know. Danny's got encyclopedic knowledge, but I'm pretty sure Beglin was uh, at Liverpool. Was. In he was a, a bit part player at Liverpool. Yeah. Never, a, never really a good player. Mm. I think that's Jim Beglin now telling Stan that he's a he yeah. hates Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> yeah, but he's awful. Yeah. I think he was one of the. I think he's mm. been the commentator on Pez for years. He is. Oh. He is a commentator oh, on Pez. I'm playing it at the moment. 
It's for, like fucking listening to fucking grass grow. It's one of the reasons that I never got in there, Pez. He, he's so dour. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, he's it's, part of the Liverpool Mafia, and they, uh, yeah. like over in the UK, we have an advert for Skechers, and it goes, here is Liverpool um, football legend Jamie Redknapp. You're thinking, hold on, he won one FA Cup. We had a bloke, <laughs> a Matt Smith, who's on loan somewhere, has won one FA Cup, and he's only 14. What the hell are you on about, football fucking legend? Idiots. And I wear Skechers. Nice ones. They look like Air Max Classics. But they uh, they they decided to make them very expensive now. Ninety quid for a pair of sketches. You want to check your cheese out for fuck's sake? Well, what else were we going to talk about? There was um, uh, I'm gonna have to look it up. I was just looking at it a second ago. Now you've got, you've got excellent notes, Danny. It, I know. it would help if you read them. Uh, ah, here we go. Something for people to have a little bit of a moan at. Um, the Arsenal Advisory Board. Now then. We all know that we're living in a generation of uh, cancel culture, pronouns, and people with pink and blue and green hair, because the big companies listen to the 0.11101% of people on Twitter that go, oh, I don't like this shop. They give me a funny look, right? Everybody stopped shopping at Tesco's. They give somebody a funny look. So you would think that the if this board, the photo of the Arsenal Advisory Board is 12 people in there. One of them I recognise is Josh Gronke. The others were 11 men. Now, my mum's a lady, my daughter's a lady, well, my daughter's a bird, and her mum is a lady. So I'm surrounded by them. Three of my cats are female, so I'm not, I, I, I think there should be more women on there. One of the bloke of them is, what's the politically correct saying, way of saying um, from, from the, uh, the subcontinent? Uh, you two can say it, I'm not going to say it. Subcontinent, where's that? You know, India, Pakistan. Do you mean Asia? Um, Do you mean Finai? No, it wasn't Vinay. No, one of the bloke looks is it looks uh, like he's a bit Asian, or possibly could be born in the UK. Who knows? That's not the point. We're living in a generation where it's um, you should have more women on there. You should have. I don't think there was any black people on there. Everyone else is pink. There's no people in wheelchairs. Daniel's there, who's blind, and uh, Vinay's in that photo. Danny, I've just looked at it. Is it? Is it Vinay? Yeah, I, I oh didn't even God. know that we had an Arsenal advisory board. So I'm Brisa still trying to yeah. get so my head uh, The Asian bloke is is our Vinay. So it's Vinay and Josh, and the rest Vinay of Vinay and Josh. The guy who's um, I don't know because I can't really talk about this. Um, whose hairline is so far receding that he's got a monk cut almost. Yeah, uh, that's Tim Lewis, who's sitting behind, who's standing behind uh, Daniel. So the advisory board, so we didn't talk about this before. Yep. So the advisory board oh, is yes. now down to nine people, all a of lot which are of, pink. A lot of people have done a lot of pointing out for who some of them are as well. Uh, I think Mike went through it. You know, um, that guy was on the podcast and met you. And uh, yeah, that guy really went. I think all about him. Linked a lot of them because I think there's a few from KSC uh, and then there are some fan supporters groups. There's the... Um, Oh, um, foreign fan liaison, I think is what his job title is. So He's in that group as well. There's no women yeah. on there. There's no black people on there. There's no other um, race of people on there. Or there's no people in wheelchairs on there. That's that's, that's my people. Hello, if you're watching. Um, that's, that's, isn't that a little bit weird in this current culture of diversity and equality? There should be more of everybody, not everybody looking the same. Am I wrong there? Well, we live in a land where everybody 
is represented now, right? That's the word. I, I, I didn't know we had an Arsenal advisory board, and I've not seen the photograph, so I didn't even know we had that. But yeah, you would think that um, from your description that there'd be a little bit more representation because you only have to go, you only have to look at the crowd at an Arsenal mm. game to see for yourself that the Arsenal crowd is very diverse. There are people there of all ages, you know, from small kids to the fucking el elderliest of pensioner. And there are people there from all, all different shapes and sizes and colours. There you go, Danny. I've just sent you the list of all the players that are in, all the people that are in that photo. Um, so I don't so know if to read that those, out. Uh, well, yeah, you read it out. I'm counting. So we have Tim Lewis, is who Arsenal? is the uh, yeah AFC board member, is how Arsenal have described him. Drew Gray, who is the Arsenal Independent Supporters Association, part of that. Uh, Vinay. AFC Chief Executive, Tim Payton. Um, uh, no, I was going to say something rude about him. Uh, Arsenal oh, Supporters Trust. Tim Payton, I should have known that was him. I know that yeah. name. I've seen that name mm. before. Yeah, he's... Um, he's an a yeah, he's uh, AST. He's a big part of AST and a... Um, Likes a, a Peroni, I think. Yeah, and a bit of a bell end. Um, <laughs> Josh Cronkey uh, with his uh, beard that now looks like Thanos' chin. Um, Mark Good Brindle. job no one listens to this podcast, isn't it? Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> this is me getting cancelled. Uh, Mark Brindle, who's uh, AFC Supporters Liaison Officer. I've heard he's a very good bloke. Um, Mark Gonella. Um, oh, if, if Steve was still around, what he'd be saying about Mark Gonella. Uh, and I won't mention some other people that have told us things about him. But yeah, uh, he is the AFC Media and Communications Director uh, slash Chair of the... Uh, the advisory board, uh, making sure he doesn't get fired for being shit. Um, Zach Wagman, who is the young fans rep. Daniel, as you mentioned, Daniel Bailey is the Arsenal Disabled Supporters Association. Dan, you could have gone up for that as well. I've been supporting Arsenal longer and I've definitely seen more games than him. <laughs> They're my people. We're allowed to make jokes about each other. He can make a joke about me skateboarding. I don't care. <laughs> Not that he'll watch this, so I'll get away yeah. with that. Uh, Angus Murat, who is part of the Gay that, Gooners, that is a name. M Murat. Uh, I don't like know that. if it's if you how you say that. Um, yeah, I've realised it's, it's nice. cut it off as well. Uh, then we've got Mick Padfield, who's part of the Domestic Supporters Club, and then Thomas Balagard, um, no relation to Odegaard, uh, who is the international part of the International Supporters Clubs. Uh, so, at what point did they not go like Stan was saying? Go and look at the crowd in Arsenal. Complete was, mix um, of, 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 I... of shades of people and sexes of people and haircuts. It was and... up for... Um, you could vote on it. Because uh, our FK, I say our FK was up for it. He was trying to get onto this advisory board. So was Darren. Um, I don't know if he wants his surname going out on uh, things. But I think we know which Darren, talking about the ones uh, very big into... Um, terms of the supporter groups not um hybrid darren who likes to troll people darren the berry, other one bad man not darren berry the other one mm. uh, that you'll know yeah it was up FK for would have been, uh, good would have been good to be on there but if you're if yeah. you're a female arsenal supporter are you gonna be looking at that going what what's going on with that oh is this 1970 oh. why why I, have, why are there no women on there 
Well, yeah. I know what would have happened. You would have gone, oh, we need someone for women's football, and it would have been Tim Stillman that would have ended up getting voted in. Um, I think it is a very strange mix, though. It is a it's a strange mix of who's ended up, but they they represent diverse groups as well. Like Stan was saying, you know, the gay goons. They represent is, is diverse, diverse groups for the yeah. for the people aren't the diverse spokes, themselves. Yeah, the spokespeople aren't necessarily diverse, but yeah, and what you got to hope is that their thoughts are diverse and they're there for everybody you know it's the same as like an mp your local mp is they look after a diverse group of people and it shouldn't matter what color they are uh, or what creed they are they've got to represent the people that they are representing who can be from any walk of life uh i think it would be great to see uh yeah more people even just on the arsenal board you know we're talking away from the advisory board if we get more women in there uh looking after Things like women's football, you know, the work that Alex Scott does outside in media. I don't know if she necessarily wants to come in to working so closely with Arsenal, but we've got a great list of great ex-Arsenal uh, women's players uh, who are doing great things and I think should definitely be involved closer with the running of the club. Hmm. Um, very poor beard game as well. That's... Uh... I mean, there's the... there's barely a strong hairline in there, Danny. And only four people wearing glasses. <laughs> I mean, the dog might have glasses on. We don't know. Might have one of those Groucho Marx glasses, nose and uh, moustache things going on. So we don't know that. We can't <laughs> assume the dog isn't wearing a disguise. I mean, I don't, I'm just, I can, just think it's a rubbish assume... selection. Yeah. That's not yeah. just because I'm on there. I'm not on it. Don't, you do sound watching, very... Don't ask sorry. me. I'll fuck it all up. You do sound very bitter, Danny, that you're not on there. And you got Don't picked over a man. You got picked over somebody that's never seen Arsenal play. That's that's it. It's a little bit like telling me where to eat my burger. Don't tell me what I should eat. I'm eating it in the wrong zone because I tell you to fuck yourself. I stand. <laughs> Danny goes to McDonald's and asks for cutlery. Oh, don't sexy Franks eats pizza with, with a knife and fork. I just when when he comes around and we have pizza, I just look at him with a, with a face like a smacked ass. He knows is he still about them? Is the old sexy Frank? What had that name in a while? Yeah, they've just, they just got a third kid now, little baby Alfie. It's your postman, right? If I remember rightly. <sighs> Frank's an electrician, not postman. He'd, oh. he'd never do manual labour like that. It's bad enough having to go in people's houses. But <laughs> any more thoughts on that? Is it just this is the kind of thing I'd expected Arsenal to do five or six years ago before um what's his name? Before Josh got involved. And I think Josh is pushing things in the right direction. But, you know, if you're female, you're going to be annoyed with this. There's going to be plenty of groups that are going to look at this and then go, unless I'm not very happy with that. But maybe it's on a, a rotation of one year and they'll all be out. And next year it's going to be a, a, a load of teenage girls with uh, all dressed up like manga. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, they're all elected yes. into those positions other than obviously everybody from Arsenal. Sounds a little bit uh, like the voting on Strictly Come Dancing, whereas if you uh, work for the BBC, you're getting through to the finals. <laughs> no matter how shit you are. Dan Walker walks, dances like a, a corpse holding an ironing board. It's disgraceful, Josh. Right. Um, see, that's one, that's one subject we just did on the fly. We didn't put too much thought into it, as you can tell by the fact we don't know what the fuck we're talking about until Josh went and did some live research. You don't get this on other podcasts. No, they, they research this shit. So, uh, yeah. Um, what else was we going to... I'm just looking down. Ah, a nice little stat I was looking at here. Currently, 10... 
Oh, the offspring's ringing me. Um, talk about our current run of form, Josh, while I go and tell the child to piss off. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, so I was looking at our current run of form. We've been, if forgive me if I'm wrong, we've been unbeaten since the opening two games of the season. You know, we kind of avoid talking about them, but it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit, or at least I feel that way. What are you about you in terms of our form coming into, yeah, basically being unbeaten since those first two terrible games? Um, for me, I think the first three games of the season, I didn't like the way that, well, first of all, let's comp- get Brentford. The argument about, well, if they just come up, fans, a big stadium, so fucking what? I think we should have been able to do a lot better against Brentford. Mm. And then moving into Manchester City and Chelsea, everybody, it seemed, was talking about how, well, we can't expect anything out of it. They're games that we're not going to win. Mm. And it seemed like everybody was saying that. And I get the feeling that that kind of trickled down a little bit into the team. Are we going to get a pass? No one expects us to win, which is why that when we come back from this international break and we're going to be playing a team like Liverpool, I don't want to hear that talk again. Have a bit of belief, yeah. you know. Even if we do lose, let's try not to get our pants pulled down and come out of the game where we can say, well, we lost that one, but everybody tried to do their bit. Everybody gave 100%. I just get this feeling that those first few games we kind of were given a bit of an easy pass. And I'm not sure how Brentford kind of got lumped in with the likes of Chelsea and Man City. We should have been able to take care of business in that first match of the season. I mean, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I think certainly with Brentford, it was a, take, it was a game which we just didn't look prepared for. Right. Uh, and yeah, the excuses that we kind of go with don't necessarily tie with what you'd see from... City and the Chelsea fixtures, you know, looking at the lineups that we played City and Chelsea, you're like, okay, well, that's probably why we didn't get anything out of those games. We're still talking about, but I know Rob Holding, um, Pablo Mari are starting in those games for us. Back at Brentford, that those three players have just named, that should be fine for it. Even talking about the fact that we started with either, well, Balogun at Brentford, Martin Lenny was a starting striker for us. Uh, in definitely the Chelsea game, can't remember the City game. Starting with those players, it shouldn't matter against Brentford. Again, we should have had enough firepower to deal with them. Yeah. Uh, but then from there, when we started to bring in, it was kind of the catalyst. You know, I remember, or well, you can kind of hear, and I'm sure it's going to come up again and again and again now that he's just taken a job up the road, is about how we were the catalyst for his Chelsea side when we absolutely fucking smashed him in that first half and he ended up bringing in three at the back is we yeah. almost those three poor results with a catalyst for him going, right, Leno, you're out. Ben White, you've, you're over COVID, you're in. Gabriel, you're over your knock, you're in. We've got Tommy Asu at the end of the uh, window, you're in as well. Gave him kind of carte blanche to bring in all of these players that he brought, uh, that had come in over the summer. And we've seen them now click and gel. I think you know we'll be saying that getting only, I was just flicking back through results. Uh, if you look at this team now, and you said, "Oh, we only got," uh, I think it was it, yeah, we beat Norwich one nil. That almost wouldn't be acceptable to us now, would it? Uh, yeah. And I think that's that's right. one of the things that we're kind of looking at that we're kind of building now. We've got that momentum up, 
I'm not saying we'll go unbeaten for the rest of the season, but it does seem a lot more promising now. And it seems like we've got a system that we, we can trust. The question is, how does this team react when it, you know, when it loses? Because that's the test of every team, isn't it? Well, I've got a, a few stats of just the child she's having, she's getting her own place and uh, yeah, messing her around. Right, currently 10 undefeated with seven clean sheets. That is the really important bit, the clean sheets. Our last run of 10 undefeated was in January the 1st to the 23rd of February last year, no, 2020. And in that time of 10 plus, we only had three clean sheets. And then the one before that was from the August 8, 2018 to December 2018, 22-game Emery run, eight clean sheets. And then the last one before that was Emery's last good run of 19, and that was August to November 2016. Even then, that was only seven clean sheets in 19. We've got seven out of 10. So that is just amazing how they've all come in. And like you were saying, Josh, I was listening with uh, those players, Mari and Klasnic. We saw old Arsenal when we played in the League Cup against Leeds. We went, Oh, that, I had flashbacks of Norm. That's how bad that was. <laughs> I, I, oh, it's horrible. See, oh, God, that's how we used to play only a, a few weeks ago. And we so we got so used to having a goalkeeper who can pass the ball out, having defenders who can walk the ball out, having people who can pass and attack and everything and, and all that other stuff to go with it. And I just think in such a short length of time, we've completely re- revolutionised the, the way that Arsenal play football. To, to having... Having so many clean sheets, I, I can't remember the last time. Even under, oh pardon me, even under peak Wenger, we weren't a clean sheet side. We were still we'd, we'd rely on outscoring people quite often. I mean, you look in even some of the best seasons, we we did concede a lot of goals. Mm. But I think the best years for conceding goals was under George Graham. But again, that was quite boring football. And uh, it's just everything seems to be gelling together. But like you said, Josh, that when we had that first loss. And then Twitter all all, all mm. goes full full Neuer on us on 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 Arsenal, and they start tweeting their binmen and their cleaning ladies and their milkmen, sending them death threats because uh, Ramsdale let in a couple of goals, or we had an error and let in a goal. That was going to be the real test, and that real test is coming Liverpool away when we come back after the pointless international break, isn't it? Yeah, uh, especially with the players that we've got that have been called up. You know, I'm delighted that Saka, Smith-Rowe and Ramsdale have got the opportunity to be flown out to San Marino and Andorra and not play any minutes for uh, England when instead they could just be, you know, enjoying themselves. At, playing uh, Forza Horizon 5. Playing Forza Horizon 5. And just being back with the squad and just getting ready for that game. Uh but, you know, they got called up for England, so I'm happy for them. But at the same... Do you, watch, you watch England a lot, didn't you, Josh? So when was the last uh, time we had three players that look... It's only a matter of time until then. They all... Well, four, including Ben White, mm-hmm. because we've seen Slabhead is shit now. Mm-hmm. But there's a real, a real possibility that in the next six to eight months, we're going to have four Arsenal players starting an England game. And I don't mean it's... a friendly against San Marino. Oh, no, these are international qualifiers. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know that. I mean, in six Uh, six or eight months. I would say probably the last time we saw that many Arsenal players in the England squad would have been 2005. Yeah. With Sol... No, Sol Campbell and Ashley Cole. 
Yeah, Sol Campbell, Ashley Cole, and somebody else would have made it in there. Ray Parler. Ray Parler, maybe. Yeah. Oh, Walcott when he was called up for the. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then he wasn't. <laughs> was he an Arsenal player at that point? Or was he Southampton player? I oh, know. When, when Sven went mental and so, yeah. called, it was called Arsenal him up. Player. Yeah. Took him out of crash and took yeah. him to the World Cup without a nanny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's possibly back then. Uh, but. It's been a while since we've had this many, and it wouldn't be surprising if it would. It stretches even further back since Arsenal have had that many players in there. Maybe because even the Arsenal back five, uh, those that were eligible, never got called up for England at the same time. It was amazing yeah. back then as an Arsenal fan, knowing yeah. that George Graham had Seaman, Dixon, Winterburn, Adams and Keown, or Adams mm. and Bold. And you had those that were letting in 19 goals in a 42-game season, but never did they play regularly as a back five for England. Do you not remember, though, there was a game, I think somebody was a caretaker manager or was in an an interim England manager. And we had Seaman, uh, Dixon, it was either Bold or Keown, maybe Keown and Adam were all called up to the team. Mm. And I think even Winterburn was in the squad, but he didn't start the game. And we had like almost a whole back four. That must have been... I can't remember when it was and who the manager was. Must have been post-Venables, wouldn't it? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Whoever took... England after Venables went mental and said, nah, see I think, later. It was like, I think it was Winterburn was the only one that missed out. And I think even mm. he was in the squad though. Yeah. It's always uh, surprising when there's more than two Arsenal players that get called up. And I, I'd, I'd be surprised based on choices that Southgate has made with this squad. Let's put it this way. Ben White's got a lot of work to do apparently to get into this England side again, mm. because getting into that Euro squad. Well, yeah, apparently you being, yeah, you shouldn't, but apparently being dropped by Villa and being stripped of the captaincy is enough for you to get into the England squad uh, at the moment. And again, looking at Wolves' form, I mean, Conor Cody does a lot of good things for that England squad in terms of he's an excellent cheerleader. But, I mean, Ben White should be there. Um, again, you mentioned Slavid, awful. Tamori should be there. tamori has been excellent. Uh, for AC Milan, but there is a lot of players in the Milan derby at the weekend. Yeah, Decent yeah. But there's a there's a lot of players that got into that England side that I'm really not sure why uh, or how, especially when we're playing two games. That is, again, I think Danny, you'd make the bench for San Marino at least. I'd, I'd expect to. Yeah, uh, I, I, I particularly don't really care for international football. I find it a bit of a distraction mm. from club stuff. The only thing that will probably get me back watching it, if we start having four or five players from Arsenal in the mm. England uh, team, then I'll probably start watching it again. But I just don't pay much attention mm. to it at all now these days, personally. Yeah, as, as soon as Harry Kane gets taken round the back and shot and is no longer called mm. up for England then I think it would be very hard for most Arsenal fans to be watching this England side. And I think, to be honest, even as uh, neutrals will find it very frustrating watching Harry Kane playing for England because he is, he's just gone, he's broken. That's it. I, mean, I did watch a little bit of what was happening in you know the World Cup and so forth when mm-hmm. we started getting to the sharp end. And you know, I watched a bit of that. But you know, even my missus knows we don't we don't celebrate Harry Kane goals in this house. <laughs> he's wearing an England shirt. Yeah. 
I mean, that's what helps in the Euros. There wasn't many of them to celebrate, so we just got to celebrate all the other goals. It was a lot just, easier. Just looking at the World Cup squad, World Cup 98, we had four Arsenal players, Seaman, Campbell, Adams and Keown. Merson was there, but he just left to go to Middlesbrough. So that's four. 2002, we had Seaman, Cole, Campbell and Keown again. That's another four. And then in, in 2006, we only had um, Campbell and... Walcott, I think that's Sol Campbell, number 12. Don't know why he said that. And then uh, yeah, did, 2010. Did, were... did, did Ashley Cole not go or he left by then? He'd left. That was 2006. I think he uh, he left us after the Invincibles, possibly. Yeah. Um, don't don't sue me if I'm wrong. <laughs> and then in the 2010 World Cup, uh, uh, nothing. 2010, I don't <laughs> think anybody would have got called up from Arsenal. Uh, Jack, maybe. No, he wasn't in it. The no. close one was still had Ashley Cole in there, and you had um, Upson, but I don't think he was at Arsenal. He's probably at West Ham no. then. And then uh, the next one, the 2014, the Ox was he at us in 2014? I think he was. Yes, the Ox, and that was yep. it. So, a bit of shit, really. Yes, yeah, so yeah, the most we've think... had in any World Cup squads is four. Mm. Well, yeah. they will be flying out to Qatar um, and what, half boycotting it. Yeah, that's, a, that's another thing. Right, so we have gone through the stats. We have done that one. And the only thing left to do is go to all your listener questions. Thank you very much. I'm just going to go and check our Twitter account. We have 30,000 853 followers. Hello to every single one of you. And it's lovely that after doing three tweets saying we wanted questions, we got one. So 30,000 of you followers, and I mean, half of you are probably bots, but yeah, one question. And it wasn't even for all of us, Stan. It was for one of us, from Abbas, who is at R-E-E-R-B-A-R-I-8-8. A question to Josh about Brighton. Here we go. The seaside Mustafi. Was he that good last season with the Seagulls? Our opponents aren't pressing us hard anymore since he's on the team. So, Stan, let's uh, let's just go and have a lay down and a cup of tea yeah. and a biscuit and let Josh get on with it. Might as well just close the show, Josh, when you're done with this. Yeah, yeah I totally could. Uh, but I, I could just say yes. Yeah, he was. he's pretty good. I would say with a pinch of salt that he was the player of the season for Brighton last year, uh, voted by the fans. But let's just put it this way that a lot of Leeds fans found that, uh, found that clip uh, or found that uh, particular poll and voted very heavily in Ben White's favour over Lewis Dunk. So overall, he wasn't necessarily the best centre-back or the best defender at Brighton last season. But I would say what we're seeing from him now is the kind of performances that you would see from him on a fairly weekly basis. It's just he would also be outperformed by Lewis Dunk, Adam Webster, and you've also got Joel Veltman, uh, who played centre-back as well last season. All played excellently. Uh, but yeah, Ben White, this is the this is the player we signed. This is the 50 million player signed. And there were a lot of people that were that were just very disrespectful to him should we say but yeah danny that's it i'm done done on it the answer was yes well thank you very much for sending questions into josh it's uh it's always nice to know you we appreciate it isn't it stan 
Um, right, so I think that is it. Uh, does anybody have any gentlemen's nods? We have no upcoming shows because it's uh, boring football. So we might. Uh, oh, we do have a little bit of news. I think you made the decision, Josh, because you are generally the one who organises the the ABW live. Come wind, come rain, come snow, uh, or lost draw or win. Did you say we're doing the ABW live for the Liverpool game? Or was it Carl? Is one of you two? Uh, I will take the credit for it, but I would say it was most likely Carl because when do we play Liverpool? I don't think I'm around. <laughs> Can't be me. We play at half past five on Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Saturday 20th. 20th. Uh, oh, I am. Yes. So I could you do you out there and you brought yourself back in. We've dragged you back yeah, in. No. I know, right? Uh, I've got so many plans. But, yes. I have none. Thanks. I've got Christmas Day. That's it. No, uh, I, I thought I was doing a steak tasting menu, but that's this Saturday, not next Saturday. Oh, steak. Mm. I'll tell you mm. about it uh, in the post show mm. chats. Um, yes. So uh, is that that we? Well, we're definitely doing part as well. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get any viewers anymore. We're down to less than five hundred views on YouTube now. Remember the days where we get six or seven thousand. Oh. Do we get any podcasters as well with that? Because, uh, you know, Carl may want us to actually do an ABW live, but the big problem is we need ABW as well. I'll be there. Oh, okay. Oh, we can guarantee Chris isn't here and John will be at work. Jeff oh, yeah. won't reply to any messages and Ellis is giving birth. <laughs> so, uh, and who else is there? Um, Femi Stokes. Is, uh, Stokes. Well, Stokes, Stokes will say he'll do it and then 10 minutes later go, no, I can't. you go, oh, <laughs> actually, sorry, I forgot. I've got a child and I need to care for them. <laughs> Nick will either be working or streaming. Um, yeah. Poor old Richard, Cactus, if you're watching, hello. Poor old man fell over while playing football and smashed his arm up in many places. So he's juggling days, much like mine, uh, along behind him. <laughs> Femi's got a new job, so he's a mm. busy man. And uh, Jock, well, Jock doesn't do stuff, does he? He just stays in there going on about puddings and hamwiches and, and that's it. <laughs> So, uh, well, other than that, I don't think we've got anything else to to promote, have we? Um, anybody you want to say hello to? Or give a yeah, I'll hello to my mum. She always watches these podcast things that I send out over in Cyprus. So, hi, mum. Hope everything's all right with you over there in Cyprus and enjoy the rest of your day. Hello, Stan's mum. I need to hi, live Stan's somewhere mom. warm. Would you like to adopt me? Because <laughs> my mum was here today and all she did, she called me, me a little bitch. And, uh, to be fair, you are. You well, are a little it's bitch. cold. And yeah. uh, I didn't want to have to get out it's, of bed. It's not even cold. It was 12 degrees today. I was in a T-shirt at work for most of the day. If I hadn't packed away all my shorts, it was shorts weather. Unless it's 25 degrees or more, I'm very, very cold. I'd like to say a big fuck you to the arsehole who lives opposite me somewhere. Half past seven this morning, they decided to move house and had their stereo in their car blaring for two hours. <laughs> if I could have been bothered to get out of bed, hop in the electric chair, I'd have gone out there and fucking murdered them. But I didn't. I just... Turn the telly up and uh, and attempt to go back to sleep. Fucking ignorant I was going to. I do have a shout out as well. Oh, go on then. Yeah. It's to, you know, it's one of the ABWs we've not mentioned because he's too big, big time for us now. It's our, our Collings. He's doing, he's doing Movember. So he's got a slug on his thing. And, you know, he can't even hide it behind a uh, mask like he did last year. It's all for everybody can see. So, yeah. Um, I'm sure we've got his donation page somewhere. And if you do want to donate, you can go there and uh, 
you know, you can help him because he's not allowed near playgrounds anymore. So it's making his life a lot more difficult uh, reporting on football when there's a lot of children in the stands. And we have to send an SOS out to a Mr. Carpenter. If you're out there, knock twice, please. Because uh, if you heard from him, I haven't been weeks, months. I can't even remember what he smells like anymore. Oh, I said something derogatory about a French player in our uh, Football Hipsters pod. Yes. Uh, what's happened? He, uh, he bit... <laughs> Like there's a pod for that. Oh, yeah, no. It's more now just a WhatsApp group. And uh, <laughs> it's very closed. And it's mostly conversations right now about Man United, ex-Man United players and their odd habits, shall we oh, say. Lovely. Yes. yes. Uh, so should we say hello to everybody who's not I- included in the Arsenal Advisory Board, which is um, nearly everybody. So hello to all of you lot. We still love you, even though Arsenal don't give a fuck about you. Um, there's, a, oh, there's a very nice book coming out. It is uh, talking about inclusivity. There is Dave Seeger has got a lovely book. It's uh, it's called Arsenal for Everyone. The title did change. And it is available at... Um, go and all check good my bookshops. Yeah. It's, uh, go and check Dave Seeger. I think it's at Guna Dave. And uh, go and have a look at... I think it's my pinned tweet... Uh, what am I saying is, Josh, why don't I just go and have a look at my own pinned tweet rather than being a... Yeah, and I can, I can continue to say the reason why Danny is... Uh, I can narrate over this. The reason why Danny is promoting this book is because he has the biggest chapter devoted to himself in said book. It's more because I wouldn't shut up. Yeah. I give Dave right. too much information. So um, the official launch will be on the 27th of November, directly after the Newcastle home game in the Armory shop. There's going to be quite a few people that are in the book. The 16 chapters. I am one of them. I think Dave got to 15 and went, oh, if I could make one more. Scraping the barrel when I know some fat gobby shit who, who might have a <laughs> semi-interesting story. So it's just about me, my life, Arsenal, going to the football, a little bit about podcasting. And it's uh, Arsenal for Everybody, Embracing Diversity and Equality by Dave Seeger. Introduction by Alex uh, Brooker. So, yeah, go and have a look for it. Hashtag Arsenal for Everyone. And it's uh, it's really nice. Some of the stories about how the amount of stuff Arsenal do for people with hearing and, and visual disabilities and the amount and the sensory room that they have, you think maybe we don't support a club full of arseholes anyway. Some of the stuff they do is genuinely touching like they have all the commentary and all the other things that they do and all the facilities they put on. And apparently we have our own room, which are, are, I'm not allowed in because I'll just be licking and biting things. and That's, that's not on. Anyway, so, yeah, um, I think I was invited. I think it, it was a rough invitation by Dave, but I won't be going because it's cold and there's no one to take me down there. I've only got one person insured to drive my van and she has to be in bed by 6 p.m. every day. Otherwise, she has a wobble and falls over. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, thank you to Dave for including me in the book. So go and look for it. It's very, very good. We will be back. I don't know. Uh, hopefully, Mike Mike Hertz and me are going to do a, a podcast about the new Guatemala manager. Mm-hmm. Or we might just get him and his lot on to talk about their podcast, Arsenal Meets. And we might do some other stuff as well. You never know. More realistically, Josh, what will we actually do? Uh, it will probably be Sweet FA. That's the actual um, thing I'm aiming for. So, Stan, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Stan underscore the underscore man 68. You can uh, li- see and listen to me on Tuesdays on the same old Arsenal USA podcast and on Thursdays on the Arsenal Fan Circle. And I was on one of those last week and I listened to the other one in bed last night. 
and I said uh, I fully embrace the the heritage of my Miami Dolphins. I eat a lot of tuna and I shit in the bath. <laughs> and on that bombshell, uh, oh Josh, are you appearing? Were you moonlighting anywhere with Sophie and, and Big Kev Campbell? Uh, I might be. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's for once. I am actually the one that might be prepared. So I might be on tomorrow. Mm. I don't know. I haven't texted Soph. Uh, and she hasn't texted me. So who knows? Lovely. But let's just put it this way. Oh, bye, Stan. Stan's uh, gone. He did say yes oh, to go. And I'm waffling. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, I yeah, was. I need to... Uh, I have a bone to pick with one of the uh, members of the hybrid squad. Oh, uh, you didn't get a yellow card, did you? Oh, I've got many yellow cards. I'm basically flamony on that podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, no, one of them doesn't follow me on Twitter. Who's that? Well, there's only two. Kev. Yeah. He followed me. I said, oh, you don't have to follow me, Kev. What are you doing that for? He went, I should have done it earlier. I thought, no, you shouldn't have. You'll regret yeah. that very, very soon. Yeah, to be fair, there'll be a lot of tweets there. And he'll be like, oh, don't want to be connected right. to him. Oh, Stan is back. He hasn't actually gone. Oh. There you go. Where'd you go? It just it just said the stream had ended. Oh, it's an absolute the stream yard still going. It's finished. I was like, that was a bit abrupt. It was a bit abrupt. Right then, uh, we could all together say thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you are new, give it a subscribe, a thumbs up, and uh, leave a little comment because that helps the algorithms because we're steadily declining to the point where it would have dust. Our YouTube channel will just be dust. We've, uh, I got an email from YouTube last month that said your number of new um, subscribers is zero. I'll put most of that down to Chris. So on that um, on that sad note, we are going to go. Uh, thank you very much, Josh. Thank you very much, Stan. Can I say as well, thank you very much to the both of you for having me on today. Uh, really enjoyed the 40 chat. Good. No it was worries. fun. It was, it was fun to be back on a podcast as well. I, I almost forgot what they are. Right, and we will speak to you later. Goodbye. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.